Recorded live. Good morning, good evening, wherever you may be across the nation or around the world. Once again, you are listening to the VMware Communities Roundtable podcast. Today is Wednesday, July 22nd, 2020. My name is Eric Nelson, and with me, my normal guest, Matt Longeth. Matt, how are you doing today? Eric, I am well. Looking forward to today's guest. And I've also browsed through the session catalog as we're encroaching here on VMworld. It seems like we're getting closer and closer every week. But before we get to all of that, uh, how are you, sir? And what's the color of the bay? The color of the bay today is uh, turquoise green with a little bit of a shine from the, uh, the what are the, a chunk of ice that's flying by us right now uh, with the meteor, I forget the name of it, uh, Neo, Neo Wise, Neo Wise. So was out at the bay yesterday evening and uh, got to see Neo Wise, right? Was able to see it with binoculars. So I was out at the bay, sitting at the ocean, could see a good clear view. It has been warm and nice here in California, very sunny, calm, not too windy. So uh, pretty, pretty good out there. And so we're, we're enjoying the nice weather. On the show today, we're going to be talking to Martin Smith. He is a senior technical marketing manager. He also helps big community guy, helps us with uh, the vExpert application, basically wrote the entire vExpert application. If you've ever been to vexpert.vmware.com and applied to be a vExpert, Martin is the guy that helps run that project, started it, built it, and now runs, runs it with the community. So Martin's on the show today. We'll get to Martin shortly. He's got a new book out, vRealize Network Insight Cookbook. So we're here to talk to Martin about his book and all the things that he does. But before we get to that, we do have some news and announcements. So first big announcement, I'll let Corey do the first big announcement. I know things have been heating up in the VExpert space. So Corey, how's it going? Going well, Eric. Yeah, so uh, VExperts, we announced the second half uh, awards, which was fantastic. We announced it on Friday and... uh, Wow, we broke um, we broke two thousand V experts, which is really impressive, right? And I've, I've kind of noticed this as our business grows and as our customers grow, right? So does so does the awareness outside, which creates you know more people who want to talk about VMware, right? Which in turn creates more V experts. So we're seeing definitely seeing an increase in participation in the community, which is which is great. Yeah, I got to say, this is always an investment. I know we talk about experts all the time, but really we're talking about community evangelism and community influencers mm-hmm. and just sharing and being part of the community. So, and the online community and people creating their own communities, right? I'm talking to a guy this Friday who wants to do stuff on Discord, right? And uh, that's fantastic. We get more people doing more things, creating and expanding the, uh, the community ecosystem. Uh, geez, we got to love that. And so, yeah, crossing 2000, I still have the list of uh, the V experts that we originally selected the first 20, 22 of them that me and John Troyer sat down to build the program. And we identified 22 influencers that uh, we could work with. And so uh, now that's uh, crossing 2000. Uh, that's a, that's a big step. And I look at Microsoft and there's only a handful of other tech companies that have as big influencer programs as we do. In fact, the only one I can think of is Microsoft. So congrats to you, right. Corey. Mm-hmm. And uh, thanks to Martin uh, from the VExpert perspective, the app, uh, we would have never been able to scale up this big without having the expert, the expert app out there. And thanks to the VExpert pros, Matt, you're one of those. Uh, without you guys doing all the voting and management of the program, uh, we wouldn't have that as well. So I think that uh, I can just say thanks to everybody, not because this is the second going to have awards and we awarded another 200 couple hundred people that got through the process but just thanks to everybody that uh, took it across the 2000 mark Uh, that has been one that we've been watching for a long time one day we'll make it and here we are it's kind of like hitting immortal status on on my favorite game once you become immortal you're like uh okay what next i don't know someone's gonna have to tell me what next but uh, i'm excited about that matt uh what do you think about that I think that we've seen a higher level of diligence uh, from the VExpert pros. I think that their their level of feedback and, and diligence and reviewing each and every one of those applications just has taken it to, a, to another level. It's also um, brought about a higher level of interaction with the community. So again, if you didn't happen to make it this, this round or just interested in the program in general, please look, ask 
reach out to one of those vExpert pros in your region or just any one of them in general. And let's go through the process and figure out what we can do to welcome you to the everything that of all the benefits that are the, the vExpert uh, program. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's some a uh, little bit of static noise there uh, responding on chat. I think, uh, yeah, I think it's great. Uh, Corey, where are we going to go? Are we going to, I think we're going to sit here for a while, right? We're always looking for new V experts. Uh, I know there's fun stuff you're doing with the app with Martin, right? Uh, I'm sure you have lots of things that you guys are cooking up for the next, next half of year and for 2021 when we'll all have our vaccines and we'll be able to go hang out with one another. Um, I assume you guys have some stuff in the works that you're going to be continue to work on. Yep, absolutely. So we've got some uh, modifications happening with the VExpert app. So um, Martina's kind of is kind of putting that together for for us. He's kind of putting the, get the meeting together. Um, I have notified, or sorry, I have uh, marked down the um, new features we want to introduce into the app, nice. as well as a, a couple small bugs. Uh, but beyond that, we're opening another sub program next week. Uh, which is going to be um, another VX for sub program with the second half award winners, as well as the rest of the experts will be able to apply for. So yeah, a lot of interesting things happen. So we don't get a sneak peek on what the new sub program is going to be. Well, I already knew you were going to ask that question. So yeah, application modernization. App modernization. Nice, nice. I got to say yes. that yep. these expansion markets that we're looking at, which is, you know, app modernization, Kubernetes, cloud native, whatever you want to call that, that's an expansion model for all of us in the ecosystem. So I think it's cool that we're doing that and that we get into that space. Uh, this is relevant for all of us because it keeps us, you know, our certifications and everything we've done and invested in VMware for the last 10 years, it still remains relevant. And that for me is uh, our responsibility as VMware employees is to keep us relevant so that all the work we've done, you know, stays relevant for our career for the next next 10 years or next 20 years. So thanks for that, Corey. That sounds that sounds awesome. All right. Yeah. Yep. Other news. Um, VMworld is it's a, just take a moment to talk about VMworld. So uh, one, there has been this uh, this thread going on uh, around is VMworld community stuff free or not free? What is free? What is the 299 pass? So thought I would take a moment and just list out and we have been doing some social this week around what is free versus what is not free. Uh, so mostly VMworld is free. It's free this year, right? Pretty much wholesale free. Um, there is a $2.99 paid package. And what the paid package is for is for special one-on-one -on -one environments where you have 25, 30 people to one. The number one thing that's part of the paid process is hands-on lab workshops. I'm sure all of you guys have done hands-on lab workshops where you get an instructor, takes you through the hands-on labs. So the paid program is really about the hands-on lab environment. There are a few other things they're doing as part of the paid program, but the hands-on lab is by far and away the one thing that people are gonna sign up and paid for, because if you want that 20%, 30% workshop, they're gonna require you to pay $300, mostly just to keep everybody out. How do you, how do you, how do you make it a valuable resource? Those seats are going to be valuable. We, on the other hand, are running all our community stuff free with the exception, if you remember, if you've ever been to VMworld, we run the Raspberry Pi labs, right? We give away sensors. We do all the giveaways with these sensors. This year, I've defined this concept called birds of a feather, which is basically the Raspberry Pi sessions um, and some other sessions we'll do, which we're looking at those as, okay, we can spend up to $50 to send you up something. So in this case, the Raspberry Pi Lab is gonna be on about ESXi and ARM running on a Raspberry Pi 4. So if you buy, pay the $300 for that program or, and get a seat, you will actually get a Raspberry Pi mailed to you, right? So those are specialty lab sessions that we're going to be running as part of uh, the VMworld event. The 299 paid packages for those type of activities so that we have some budget that scales out and you can join one of these sessions. There aren't that many. There's gonna be like 10 or 15 sessions that I'm going to run. Uh, there are a bunch of labs that are gonna be run. So that's what it is. Um, 
the community stuff is all going to be free uh, and things that are going to be free. Just thought I would run through them. V Brown Bag is going to be streaming uh, their sessions, uh, which is what we always put in the community booth. So Alistair's done a call for sessions. He's going to be live streaming those sessions. I think he's doing that on the Monday, right? So we're trying to make the whole event uh, five days long, Monday through Friday. So Alistair's going to be doing the live stream sessions. I think he has 20 to 40 sessions depending. Um, that are gonna be live streaming on on Monday. Uh, we're helping sponsor that and we will be involved with that so that uh, V Brown Bag will be alive and well running their free sessions like we always do in the community booth. At the same time, there's VMworld sessions. There's going to be a hundred plus live sessions that will have, well, they're streaming sessions. They will have live Q and A. So you can come in, watch the live streaming sessions. There's gonna be seven tracks for those live sessions. So you can come in and choose your track and then it will live stream on your second or third monitor all day long. And then you can do question and answering. That is also all free. So you can engage with people, ask questions, watch the sessions uh, free. They are also doing a mobile app that will have instant messenger. So you can instant message any conference attendee that is signed up for free. So again, you can talk to people, uh, say hello uh, through the mobile app. So they will have a mobile app that will be free. Next thing we're doing is live streaming 32 plus VMware code sessions. So if you've ever been in VMworld, we have the VMware code booth. We do those community sessions. Those community sessions will also be live streamed. So far, I think we have 32 plus sessions. We will have live Slack chat with those sessions and all of that is free. So we also have free sessions. That's happening Thursday and Friday. You can go save the date for the Thursday, Friday. We're calling that event, just like we have the code booth. We're calling, I think that code con for code connect. It will be the second and the two. We're also then doing a hackathon um, that will be 24 by seven live environment that you can come join and meet people, say hello, hang out. That is also free. So when we talk about free, all the community stuff is free, available there, uh, live streams, chats, engagements, much the same way we do. And then we do have the 299 pass, which are for these very private uh, HOLs that will have instructor-led uh, training. We also have some code labs and some other kind of community lab birds of a feathers which we will very specialize, limited seating, probably only 30 seats for those guys. Um, those are very specialty items for the 299 pass, but then you get value from that that um, we're, we're gonna be running. But by and large, all the other stuff, vBrownBag, VMware Code, Power Sessions, Slack Chat, Chat, Instant Messaging, all that's part of the community, that's all free. So we wanted to get that message out there. We will be doing some social media. If you see it, retweet it. Let everybody know that at VMworld, we will be doing live environments and engagement, and that's all free for uh, community attendees. So community is free at VMworld. There's a little bit of confusion because the VMworld people announced the 299 pass and listed a couple of the birds of a feather sessions that we've been designing, uh, but those are not the bulk of what we're doing with vBrownBag and VMware Code in the community booth as a whole. So there you go. Anything you want to add, Marta, Matt, or Corey to that? Eric, with the, the hackathon, obviously a really popular event, do you see that as an individual uh, signing up for it, or are we still going to go the teams as we were doing in person, where you would have to sign up a team, and then the team uh, teams would compete? So yep. if, if it is going to be a team's format, or we have a registration available, how's all that going to work? Do you yes. have details that we could share? Uh, I, I do not have details yet. I have details, but there's no place to sign up yet. Uh, we are going, we work with the VMware code coaches. There are 25 code coaches, just like the VExpert pros. Uh, we're working with the code coaches and they recommended a the team environment. So we are going to do the team environment and we are going to do a call for team captains. 
that will probably go out in the next week or so. Uh, we just did call for papers. They will do a call for team captains. The team captains will uh, get a location on GitHub. So the VMware code GitHub repository will be where we're going to be running most of the events. Uh, we're partnering with GitHub. So we will do a call for team captains shortly. Uh, and if you have an idea, uh, you can you can submit that idea on GitHub and then people can join your team. Uh, then you, once you've joined your team, you, you organize your team and then we will be running the hackathon in Zoom where we will have uh, a main hall and then we will have sub halls for the actual teams where they can come in and code, check things in and out of GitHub and, and do their project. And then the hackathon will basically uh, have several um, sessions during the last two days, Thursday and Friday, when we're running the CodeCon, where we will expose the projects as well as uh, the judges, as well as who are the winners at the end. Awesome. Yeah. I think I'll add to the overall, um, let's just say I've heard from a couple of storage vendors that are out there that um, for V experts, that they have, may have traditionally in the past have given out a uh, pretty nice gift. Uh, for V experts at VMworld, that they are going to continue to do that this year. So I would say for both existing V experts and newly v minted V experts, experts here from this last round that we had just discussed, be out in the lookout on socials um, and the Slack channel as well. I know the the one I I've, I've, was lucky enough to see a little bit of a sneak preview for it, and it's it's quite the gift. So. Be on the lookout for, for on socials and on the Slack channel for uh, a special VExpert gift this year. Excellent. And I know that uh, me and Corey are working to to look at what are we going to do for a gift. It's interesting to see how everybody's going to figure out how to ship it to everybody. Because the, the gifts are one thing. The shipping, especially when you go to scale, where you have to send out a thousand things, it gets kind of kind of worky, right? Like you have to do a lot of work. thousand envelopes. We're trying to figure that out. Maybe try to figure out how to do gift cards. Corey thinks that we can do kind of cool gift cards where you can buy the gift cards and then just mail them um, through email, right? You can get a you can get a token that's a gift card and then mail it through email. But physical stuff, I'm a big fan of physical stuff, so I don't know, but I don't know how I'm going to do that. Uh, Graham mentions on chat, yeah, you can send all 1,000 pies to me. I'm like, yeah, I don't want to send 1,000 of anything to anybody. So, it's a great there's weapon. a will, there's a way. I'm sure we'll figure something we'll, out. We'll figure I just it ask out, the right? community as a whole just right. to um, keep in mind that this is something free. Right. So that there's a, a tremendous amount of effort and resources and planning that go out there into all of this. And yeah, but it's also it's a, a, it's a gift. It's also a thank you. Right. So, yeah, sure. It is, it is you to some degree, people have earned, earned, earned something cool. So, yeah, we're going to we're going to work on it. We're going to figure it out. I, I'm just hoping they get the vaccine like done early, like September. Then we can just all have the Emerald. That's that's it. Yeah, that's my strategy. I'm keeping my fingers crossed. Only kidding. All right. Let's move on. A uh, lot of fun there. Excited about it. Uh, and hey, you guys have to forgive us. This is the first time we've done something like this where it's been live streaming, uh, constant streams. Um, I think the whole VMworld team and ourselves are learning about it and figuring it out and figuring out how to do it. And we want it to be great. So, uh, you know, don't be surprised if things shift a little bit as we figure out how to do things, right? And uh, I think they've come in, the, VM, the VMworld team has come in with the, here's what we know we can do to set up a base. And then we're trying to layer things on as we learn how to do them, right? So, yeah, wouldn't be surprised. And then I wouldn't be surprised if one or two things crash and burn as we do them. You know, there's there's no guarantee that this stuff is all going to work perfectly. As uh, me and Julia Claus say, hey, it's live. We don't know what live actually means until you get it and do live. And then you find out that your license expired right in the middle of the live sessions. And you have to shut down and start it back up and get a license key. So live is live. Should be fun. Should be fun. I'm, an, I'm looking a learning experience from everyone. But right. I'm sure that uh, the amount of effort being put in, right. put in, it's going to be uh, new and exciting. And I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, me too. Me too. All right. With that, we'll get to Martin. 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 Uh, I like to say Martin, I guess. Martin Smith. 
Uh, how's it going? Welcome to the show. Uh, you're always a great guy to have on. Why don't you give us the two minute elevator pitch? I know you're from the Netherlands. Where do you live? Where do you work? I know you work at VMware. How long have you worked here? And what do you work on? Yeah, thanks, Eric. Always good to be here. Um, I think the last time we uh, I was on, we we were talking about the VXPert program, which is also pretty uh, pretty close to my heart, obviously, as you already mentioned. Um, yeah, so my my name is Martijn Smith. I'll uh, I'm I live in the Netherlands. I also work in the Netherlands, but I work with uh, uh, most of the uh, the US team within the uh, the CMU of the technical marketing team. Um, so I look um, currently look after Fearless Network Insight, which is also uh, the topic of the uh, the book uh, that you dragged me on to talk about. Um, so I do tech the marketing for that maintain labs, create content, uh, help customers out with uh, how to use it, all of that cool stuff. Um, and I have a lot of cool side projects. Um, <laughs> so the VXPIT Pro Portal, um, I've got PowerVir and I, which is also inside that book, uh, which is a PowerShell module which you can use to automate with Vier and I. Um, I love automation, uh, do a lot of scripting, programming, but also IoT stuff. Um, I even got a um, an automated barbecue uh, temperature measurement uh, that warns me whenever my uh, my brisket is done, or if I need to flip it over. Um, so yeah, that's that's two minute elevator pitch. Does nice. that fit? Yeah, that's so. nice. So VMware, how long have you been at VMware? For four years. Yeah, four years. Nice. Right. So in the, um, the techn technical marketing role for about a year now. And before that, I was a solution architect within the uh, the NSBU for NSX and also Network Insights, but also uh, uh, AppDefense and ACX and all of the cool networking products. Now, you're busy with your side products projects. Don't you feel like you need those side projects? Because coming over to marketing, you're just going to get you know further and further away from the heavy tech. So... It's good to keep keep your fingers and stuff, isn't it? Well, sort of. I mean, mar marketing is a lot of content generating and talking about stuff, but um, technical marketing is is almost like 60, 40, and 60% inside the deep bowels of the product itself. So uh, me and Matt just uh, run an entire lab that's equivalent to a corporate networking uh, environment. So we, uh, we have our hands full with that as well building topologies, uh, applications, uh, monitoring them, demo stories, all of uh, all of the things that you need in order to, to demo uh, VR and I in this case. So I'm, I'm pretty tech handy still, nice. luckily. Nice. Okay. All right, well, let's get into your book. Uh, first, uh, first question, and I'll let uh, Matt jump in here too as well, but I'll start with, uh, so why a book? Why did you write a book? And uh, tell, like, take us through the process of becoming a book. I've, I've tried to write several books, and I know some of the other you know, people in the community have written books along the way. Give us a you know, little bit of insight on why a book and, and how did that process play out? So the uh, the why was the question that I asked myself a lot during the, the writing period because it kept getting longer and bigger and bigger. Um, but basically what it was all about is that um, our VMware's product documentation is pretty good, right? I mean, you can find things, uh, how to configure something and then how to use a specific feature and all that. That's all there. But when it comes to networking management and troubleshooting that Fear Knight tries to attack, that's like in a very big story. That's that's a very big end-to-end -end process that someone has to go through. Um, and that picture was basically missing in my mind. So when you go to the doc right. documentation, you can find out what that button does, but not why do you need to press that button and how do you get to that button, etc. Um, so that's that's one of the biggest reasons why I decided to uh, to take it on and um, and dive in and, and write it. And Martin, start to finish. So, so when did the, this really, when did you start to put pen to paper, as they say, from, from the time that you first started to really get the initial idea to the time that you went live and a book could be ordered? How, how long of a time frame was it? That's about two years. 
Um, so I, I was playing around with the idea for about six months, trying to get some 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 feedback from the the Network Inside product team, trying to get some support here and there, uh, see if they will even let me into their uh, minds and pick them apart and put all of those tips and tricks into that book. Um, so that was six months, little little bit of planning, and then about a year uh, writing. Um, about a year, year and a half writing, and then, um, well, a couple of months uh, to get the publisher going and get some uh, some content around it to actually launch it out there. But it's a long time. And with that, how did you, so I'm assuming that there's going to be a couple of versions of, of that have been released during that process. So how do you decide from when your, your change stop is or your own change control of, I'm writing about this feature set and potentially a new feature set has been released. Um, how do you, one, know when to stop? And if there is a, an improvement, is there a, a way to, to get out uh, revisions or, or how have you handled that? Yeah, that's, um, that's a very good question. And I struggle with that, quite honestly, because Network Insight is, uh, is on a quarterly release cycle, meaning that there's a new version every three months. Uh, and they release a lot of stuff. Um, so every single release has like a major big new thing that you could possibly also add into it, right? So I was done with the rest and then they come up and, oh, I can start all over again. Oh, um, so the thing that I really wanted to make sure that is that if you take it and read it as a networking and security engineer slash admin, I wanted it to be something that they could use to get better at their jobs with. Um, so not just focus on the product and try to sell more to the product or something. I wanted to make sure that they could use it to, um, to basically just to get a better life and, and stop troubleshooting and tr stop wasting so much time to, uh, to find certain problems inside, inside these networks. Um, so that was my guiding line. So I set the, uh, set an index on it, like which topic should I need should I need to touch on in order to get to that point. Um, and about six months ago, I, I, I went uh, into the review cycle uh, with all of the engineering team. Also, uh, big shout out to them. Um, and basically, we were making the conclusion that. It's there. I mean, if you take this uh, this book and you go from zero to uh, to finish, they would be able to use it. You would be able to use it to um, uh, to basically do your job more effectively if you're in the works, if you're in the in the um, in the on the ground troubleshooting and managing these networks. So that was my uh, my guiding line. But honestly, it's never going to be finished because the product is never going to be finished, right? Um, so I. Um, I made a conscious decision to focus on a digital version. Um, so I went over to a couple of pub publishers, um, see, uh, see if there's like an sort of an agile way of uh, publishing books. Um, and I found LeanPub um, in, in that process. And it's kind of funny because I use Git a lot and I use uh, coding and markdown a lot in my side projects. Um, and LeanPub actually allows you to write your book in, Lean, uh, in Markdown. And then they transfer that and convert that into PDFs, eBooks, uh, EPUBs, uh, and, um, and all kinds of digital, uh, digital formats. Um, so I'm, I'm using that, meaning that I can iterate on it using Git. So if I've got a new nice. chapter, I just commit yeah. that to, uh, to get to my Git, uh, Git repository. And then it get automatically published into LeanPub. Um, so that's a, that's a way of, of making sure that I can update it really quickly. Um, I mean, I do have some physical copies of it. There's there's a copy on Amazon. Um, if you really want to have a physical one, like uh, like this one. Nice. Um, and of course, I want to have one my, myself just to keep it keep it close to me, but um, um, I'm, I'm focusing really on that digital version because it's, well, it's, it's, it's an agile book, as I like to call it. And it's like so a modern change control for what was traditional uh, print press. That's pretty incredible. 
Yeah, it's like a hybrid approach, right? Where for the the old school guys who still want a book, right? My wife hates me because I I still pick up books now and then. I like them. I I still buy them on occasion. So it's a for me a physical book means I can highlight it and I can remember it and uh, and I don't have to Google search it. I can just go to my bookshelf. But uh, for others and for the the, the new content, I think it's a, a great model. Uh, great model. Um, so top level problems you mentioned just. You know, what are the top level problems as a network administrator that you try to take them through from a career learning perspective, as well as what the tool actually can can do for you? So when you talked about these, can you give us some insight into the kind of some of the chapters or some of the content that you did from a career, what I need to know so I can sleep better at night? Yeah, sure. Um, so it, it starts off pretty high level in um, why you would want to have um, a, a, a an, sort of an end-to-end -end monitoring solution instead of having multiple points point tools. Um, like I mean, we all know that uh, there's a lot of um, uh, there's a lot of new environments being spun up. Uh, I mean, we're used to vSphere on-prem, but now we've got VMware Cloud AWS. We've got uh, native AWS, Azure, GCP. Uh, applications and networks in particular are spreading all over the place. Um, I'm not even talking about SD-WAN. That that also in, in makes the span of like the networks that a networking admin needs to control and needs to be able to troubleshoot is is just way too much these days. Um, the amount of time that someone takes from hey my end user is complaining uh, complaining my uh, my customer is complaining about some some connectivity issue to an actually actual solution. Is becoming longer and longer because of those uh, distributed um, uh, environments, and the uh, the more complicated we can make the the networks, the better it is for the application. Sometimes, but oh well. Um, so it starts from a high level there, um, and Fear and I is pretty good in there because it it has that visibility on the on-prem um, uh, data center, the, the public clouds, the native public clouds, uh, the branches, and glues them all together. So that's um, that, that, that's why I was focusing on Network Insight. Um, I, by the way, I started writing this book before I joined the Network Insight team. So it's, it's not really that it comes from my marketing role, <laughs> just as a... Uh, um, yeah. Yeah. So um, it's surprising how many people actually become experts in a field uh, outside of VMware or in VMware, but not in marketing. And then eventually, because they were evangelizing and they have passion about the topic, they end up in a tech marketing role uh, around that topic just because you're you're a leader in thinker already in it. So I appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, yeah, I mean, it's it starts really high level, and then it 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 walks you through realistic scenarios. Like, what do you do when you you're facing a specific issue? Like, what do you do when a when an, an application starts to act slow? Um, what do you do when your CEO comes to you and says, "Hey, I want to have a look at all the traffic between this application and that application, or all the traffic um, that was coming in from China." Um, what do you do when um, when you want to change something in your network, and how do you approach that in a safe way instead of just trying it and see what what happens? Um, so all of those like use cases that Fear and I has, like how do you actually get there? That's that's the um, the meat of the book pretty much. Hence the name cookbook. Like you, you get a recipe or you get a you get an order basically. Like uh, I want you to do this, and whether that be uh, related to visibility or or uh, change management or troubleshooting, um, there's there's a recipe for you, and then you can follow that recipe in 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 getting actually getting it done basically. How many that's chapters? Oh, that's a good one. I, I think around fifteen, seventeen ish. Nice, nice. Do yeah. you do you have a favorite? I mean, I know. Do you have one that when you get it done, you go, "I'm gonna go back and reread that" because that's just my that's my favorite amount of learning I have here. 
No, you know the um, the cool part is that I've I've had this this thing lying on my desk for uh, for a couple of weeks now, and and I've reached into it for a couple of times, and it's always to the search chapter. Mm-hmm. Um, and the reason why is that uh, Fear and I has 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 got a built-in search engine, sort of like a Google type um, uh, search where you can just type in what you want, like either I want to see traffic, I want to see firewall rules or VMs or whatever. Um, but there's a very um, complicated and extended search syntax behind it. So it's it's almost like a database where you can just query and then select from from the database that is the the data lake um, that's in there. So there's uh, a lot of um, uh, conditions. Uh, there there are a lot of operators you can use. Where and is. Um, uh, you can use subqueries. Uh, you can do nested. Um, all kinds of very, very powerful stuff that you can do with it. And the uh, the search chapter is is something that I still reach back into to uh, to say, hey, uh, how did I do that again? Nice. So so if and then when we get done with COVID nineteen in twenty twenty and we're back at VMworld and you and you run into Martin and you buy his copy of his book from the bookstore. Um, you're going to autograph it. What chapter is that? Because I'm going to open the book to that chapter and have you autograph the, the search chapter. <laughs> That's, yeah, sure. It's either the search chapter or the automation chapter. It's, um, there's also quite a big automation uh, focus in the in the end. Um, also centering around the uh, the PowerShell uh, module that I, um, that I mentioned earlier. Yeah, why don't we talk a little but, bit about the PowerShell uh, module? I know I did some scripting this uh, this weekend just for fun. I had some test scripts I want to write. And I got to say, for everybody listening, if you haven't written any scripts in a while, uh, I went to back to Microsoft uh, uh, Shell Programming, which is a .bat file. And, man, I had so much fun because they actually have, and I've forgotten all about this because I'm used to writing object-oriented code and all this, but they actually have GoTo. Right, and you can actually name and 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 jump to. A, oh my God, it was heaven! I was having so much fun. My code is spaghetti right now, but man, is that fun! So I love it. So so PowerShell, and uh, yeah, tell me about uh, tell me about your module. Yeah, sure. And uh, by the way, I totally agree with that go to. I, I still use PHP just for that reason because it has the go to in it as well. Um, <laughs> But yeah, the uh, <laughs> PowerShell is is pretty much my my second favorite language, I'd say. Um, so Power Vier and I, as affectionately known, just like Power Vier A, Power NSX, I decided to keep it in line as um, in the um, um, the PowerShell naming. Um, so it's it's a it's a pretty complete PowerShell module. Uh, it's it's available on GitHub, uh, GitHub.com/slash/PowerVierAndI. Basically, you can just load it and then grab any piece of data that you want from VRNI. Um, so, if you're a little bit familiar with VRNI, and you might be a little bit more if you read read the book, but it, it has a lot of traffic information. It has VM information, host, switch, uh, file, all of that is in there, and you can grab that information using that that PowerShell module. So for example, um, I've been working with a couple of uh, organizations that had a need to uh, archive all the network connectivity that was happening on their network for 20 years. So they had like a massive syslog um, uh, server, basically, and every single connection needed to go there. Well, 20 years is a little bit too much for VRNI to save, so it we needed to figure out some some way of doing that. So what we did is we used PowerVR and I, um, put it on a, uh, a daily scheduled task, and then basically just fetch all the, the network flows from that day, from those last 24 hours, and then push them into their uh, their syslog server. So it would go into the vault, go into the tape robots, um, and, and be stored for those, uh, those 20 years. That, that, that's just one example, but you can grab any type of information that you'd like from it. And Martin, to, to that extent, I mean, why don't we see, again, this is just an opinion, correct me if I'm wrong, but further adoption or, or deep dives on, on Verney in general, where it seems such a, a terribly powerful program with the database and now your PowerShell module, that it 
that there's so much there to, and truly insights, as the name implies, that the average administrator can go in and use as a, a, a you know, really powerful troubleshooting um, tool. But yet I would think that it's not deployed or even if it is, when it is deployed, it's not used to its full extent. So what are some of those hurdles to adoption and how does the book help that? I think um, the limited usage is mostly because how it got into this this world. How, um, so at, at the beginning, Arkinet was the company that actually made um, what then later become, became uh, Free Realized Network Insight. VMware acquired it back in 2016, I think. Um, and then it only did micro-segmentation planning. So it was a combination of NSX and VRNI or Arkin. And then you would have like a solution to end plan the, uh, the microsegmentation and then implement it via using NSX. So that really stuck in there. Um, after that was there, uh, VMware took it and the, the Arkin team took it, the original Arkin team. And then they iterated on that. So they, they started adding, adding physical devices. They uh, started adding a lot of uh, cloud uh, resources and more visibility into the actual network traffic instead of just micro-segmentation planning. Um, so it grew that way. And for some reason, it always stuck there as like, oh, fear and eyes and micro-segmentation planning. So that's that's one. Um, and with the, with the cookbook, I, I really try to focus a lot more on those other use cases, right? So how do you solve a physical networking issue instead of how do you use NSX or, or something like that? Um, because honestly, micro-segmentation planning is maybe just 10% of the product right now. I mean, there's so much more in there. Um, and as we go on, there's a lot more capability, capabilities coming down the road. Um, like we've, we've got the SD-WAN integration since, uh, since last six months ago or something. That opens up like the, the entire brand. So this, that's just six months old, right? Um, that means that it has to have some time in order to trickle down to well, being known as a data center and an SD-WAN troubleshooting tool instead of just that data center tool. So it, yeah, it, it just takes time. And that's I know that's a, that's a rotten answer, but uh, especially because I'm in marketing. So I should know that uh, every customer should know, uh, should know this and blah, blah, blah. But the reality is just that um, it, it takes a long time for these types of products to, uh, to appear. And that's also very much due to the fact that it bridges a lot of silos. Um, so it, it's not just a feature app into, it's not just a networking app into, it's not just a cloud admin networking tool, it's, it's all of the above. Meaning that if you really want to use it to your potential, to the fullest potential, you would need to have the, uh, the VI admins on board, you would have, need to have the physical networking uh, people on board, you would then need to have the WAN people on board and the cloud people on board. So meaning that you, yeah, have to have a lot of um, uh, voices uh, a lot <laughs> in, of inside of the involved. Yes, exactly. So that's also pretty much a, uh, I think that's also a big reason why. But we're so getting there. To the customers that you have seen, so you've had, some, I'm sure, some field experience with this. How have the ones that you've seen that you've considered to adopt it well What's an example? You don't necessarily need to name the actual customer, but how have they integrated it? And where are the ones that are doing it well? How, how do you see that they've taken it to the next level and integrated it to their inter operations? Yeah, that's that's a very good question. And um, I could name a couple of names, but I honestly, I did, just don't remember. Uh, I, I have a very weak mind like that. Um, anyway, the customers that actually take it to the full potential, they, they pretty much have an open organization. So they, they're, they're not that traditional, uh, like uh, silos and the managers above it, and you can only talk to another silo via the ticketing system or via the managers or whatever. Um, so they, they, one of the modern, more modern organizations that we have, that we have these days. Um, so people like to speed things up, people uh, like to not spend too much time uh, on certain problems and just get things fixed. 
Um, so those types of organizations that really have opened up that way in the last couple of years, you, I see those using the product to the fullest because they have the most, the, the easiest way to get everybody on board and, and just, just plug the, uh, the pro product into every single networking equipment and, 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 and feature environment and cloud environment that they've got. And then they just start reaping in the, the, the benefits from it. Um, one of the things that is really cool to see is um, I mentioned the search engine earlier. From that search, you can request any type of information that you'd like and then pin that. So pin that to a pin board, as we call it. Just It's just another, uh, another name for a dashboard. Um, but those types of organizations, they still work in specific uh, focus areas. So you've got the VI specialist, you've got the security specialist, etc. And then they start creating their own pinboards, um, like getting the data out of that data lake, pinning the things that they're interested in, but still looking at the same data that their entire IT uh, department is looking at. So they're, they're looking at the same data instead of different tools, different names. Um, um, they, they get like they get the picture. They just have to link to a specific object, a specific router, or or an application, and people know what you're talking about instead of having to translate that between those different toolings also. Sounds um, more like operational dashboards, which is, is awesome. Yeah, that that's that's pretty much where it comes down to. Um, and um, and the most fun thing that I've seen is, uh, is, is dial into a customer and then um, ask them to show me their VRNI instance and then see that they've got like dozens of these pin boards all personalized towards specific application owners or departments that that's that's like the way to use it that's that's perfect nice so nice I know that we're uh, we're going to run up to the top of the hour, so I have a couple other things. Uh, one thing that was on chat, which I think is a worthwhile call out, is that uh, due to COVID 20, uh, 2019, um, you are donating profits. I'm supposed to ask you, uh, profits being donated. Why don't you tell me about that? Yeah. Um, so I, I mean... I, I work for VMware. I've, I've got a pretty good life. Um, so, and honestly, you're not going to get rich from writing a book. So, if you want, if you think about writing a book to, just to get make some money, just don't. It's not worth it. Um, so, anything that I that I get from it, it's going to go to the uh, the Red Cross for everything that they do with uh, with COVID, uh, because they they've been on the front lines and they do a lot of things here. I've even seen that up close uh, within my in my area. Um, and then uh, I've got like a sort of a, uh, a division between the Red Cross, the uh, NAACP and the ACLU um, <clears throat> just to help out a little bit more. I mean, um, sure. uh, I, I just thought that would wasn't necessary to be yeah. 2020 being 2020. <laughs> All right. So if uh, for people that want to do some good um, and you want to, you know, you, you, you feel like, wow, I should buy that book, but I shouldn't buy that book or I should read that book, <laughs> allocate time. Hey, this is a good corporate way to do a nice donation is to go check out the book. It's networkinsightcookbook.com. Uh, networking, it's network insight, networkinsightcookbook.com dot com and go check out the book and if you if you if you buy a copy i assume you can buy a digital copy or a download copy uh some way of, of getting that yes yeah, so on on that website there's two options you can go to amazon uh, for the physical one or leanpub for the digital one and then you can read it online you can download the pdf or put it on a kindle i've also got sure. a kindle here somewhere Nice, yeah. very nice. And then uh, any money you get will donate. I know, I know how you feel. I raise bees and I bottle up my honey. If it's a good year, I sell them for ten dollars a jar, natural honey, just to friends and people. And I go to a flea market sometimes. And then I just donate it. I donate it to East Palo Alto for medical musical instruments for the kids that can't afford them. Uh, but uh, that's all done now. So next year I'm going to uh, do the donation to Bill and Melinda Gates, buy a toilet for a community uh, 
charity that they have. So they raise $500 and you buy a toilet. So good work. Uh, we make a lot of money in tech. So why not uh, do some cool projects and then give back in our own unique way? So thanks for doing that. That's, uh, that's awful nice of you. Uh, let's exactly. see. Final things. Uh, got uh, three more minutes here. Are you going to ever write another book? And when you do, I know the answer to that, but uh, it hit me with the answer. What, what are you ever going to write another one? Uh, never say never, but uh, honestly, I, I just want to have version two of this one first and then see where I stand. That was my follow-up question. If you're if you're going to do a version two, if you buy version one, do you get like an upgrade coupon or you know, get some discount? How does How does that work? That's that's a good thing about LeanPub, uh, which I'm, which is why I'm preferring those. Because if you buy it there, then you're just automatically subscribed for any any new version. So whenever I publish something new or push something to GitHub, uh, you will find it yourself in your email box. Nice, Matt. I'll give you the last word as we as we close out here. I'll go back to the the, the format of the question that I asked uh, Gabe Newth on a previous episode, Martin. If you would have to put your consultant hat on just for a minute and look at the Verney suite as just from an outside observer, where are we lacking within the product? And if you were the PM, where would you want to take it? Where, where, where do you see that is that as it's obviously it's a very powerful tool, but if you were going to call out one thing to make an improvement on the product, what would it be and why? It's the uh, the real timeness, if that's a word of it. Um, so all of the data needs to come in. Some of it is being pushed. Some of it it's being pulled. And then there's there's a couple of um, 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 like data points where every five to ten minutes new data comes in. So that's that that could be sped up. Um, I mean we're 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 going into the world of uh, streaming telemetry uh, these days. So. That needs to improve a little bit in the uh, in the future, and I know from a little birdie that it might do that also in the future. <laughs> that nice. was like a great improvement. Thank you again for your contributions. I, I love to see that the proceeds are being generated out to some wonderful causes, some very relevant causes here in 2020. Again, if you want to give the the URL out one more time and your Twitter handle for our listeners. Sure. Thanks, Matt. So uh, go to networkinsidecookbook.com. Uh, you'll have the option right there. There's, there's everything, all the links. Uh, my Twitter is uh, Martijn Schmidt Martijn. Um, but if you go to networkinsidecookbook.com, my Twitter is also in, in, in a link on that page. Because I, kn I know that my name is a little bit hard to, uh, hard to get by. <laughs> All right. And with that, we're at the top of the hour. So, Martin, thanks a lot for being here. Thanks for all the work you do. We'll be back again Thank next you. week. The V Barbecue Report is, from what I heard, Tony Foster did barbecued pineapple. Uh, I saw pictures of his Twitter account. He took a pineapple, sliced it up, put it on the grill, charred it. If you like charred pineapple, that's the way to go. Maybe I'll get some barbecue peaches this week and uh, do them up. And uh, Martin, I, uh, Martin, I guess I, I should say thanks for naming it the cookbook. Go check us out on uh, youtube.com slash vbarbecue, V-B-A-R-B-E-C-U-E. -E. Uh, you can see Martin. He'll hold up the book for us one more time. And uh, you go check out that book and uh, we'll, we'll have a good time. Give us a like and a subscribe. There it is, the V Realized Network Insight cookbook till then have a great week everybody and we'll see you again next next week we have uh, mike hume coming on to talk about cloud stuff and what's happening with the cloud talk to you guys later and have a great week